Before we get started, just a reminder that you can listen to both of our weekly Monday and Wednesday episodes of the Tom and Hawk Football Show on Amazon Music and Alexa for free. Just ask Alexa to play the Tom and Hawk Football Show to listen directly through your Echo device. Welcome to the Tom and Hawk Football Show. As always, I'm Andrew Hawkins. And I'm Joe Thomas. Coming up on today's show, the Patriots running to the top of the AFC. And after Monday Night Football, it's the media versus the players. Plus Joe's birthday bash on Bourbon Street. All of that and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of the Tom and Hawk Football Show. Let's get to it. What is going on, man? I'm uh, I'm reeling a little bit this morning. It's not because of the hangover that I'm still nursing a little bit from <laughs> Bourbon Street celebrating for my birthday last weekend. It's about these dang New England Patriots and how they always find a way to ruin my weekend. And then now they're ruining my week because they're doing it on Monday night. I think myself, like 31 other NFL franchises and the people that are associated with them, they're just so tired of seeing the Patriots just find different ways to win, and now they're doing it with a rebooted quarterback. But we'll get into all of that later. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, if you would have just listened to me, you wouldn't be having a bad day. You'd have a great day because you'd be right <laughs> about your Monday night football pick. And we'll start right there. Ugh. The Patriots only asked Mac Jones to throw the football three times. On Monday night, three times in an NFL football game. Ridiculous. The crazier part is it worked. The Patriots beat the Bills in the wind and the snow of Buffalo. They ran the football 46 times. They threw for 19 yards. And you would have thought you were in 1938 if you didn't understand what was going on. And you were just dropped right back from a different time period. Joe, what was your biggest takeaway in the game that was the Patriots versus the Bills. Yeah, other than my overall sadness of having to watch Bill Belichick with the most basic 1935 game plan of all time, well, we're just going to run the ball up the middle and see what happens. And the fact that the Buffalo Bills and Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott decided that they weren't going to change anything with their game plan to try to stop the obvious rushing attack and the obvious game plan of we're only going to run the ball. Um and then having to listen to Bill Belichick gloat after the game about how he was able to win the game and nobody made any adjustments throughout the entire game to try to stop his <laughs> rushing attack. Uh, I was so sad, still a little bit sad this morning, but my big takeaway is that the Buffalo Bills are pretenders. And I don't think that's a big shock to anybody after watching what happened. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can we just, can we just wait and give a round of applause to a take that Hawk had six weeks ago hip, hip, on this, on this, on this hip, establishment hip, that is Joe Thomas and Hawk? I'm on board, man. Good to have you on board, Joe. Yeah, they're pretenders because they haven't beaten anybody, but I think they've shown an incredible foible, right? They are soft. Mm. Defensively, if they got to run around and play basketball on grass and cover guys and run sideline to sideline, like they look great. If they get into one of these highfalutin scoring attacks where Josh Allen is dropping back and throwing 60-yard bombs in great conditions in a dome, yeah, they're going to play great. They're going to look good, but... If they get into any other type of football game, they're just not built to be able to hold up. We saw it last night against the New England Patriots. New England said, okay, we're going to play big boy football. We're going to put our big boy pants on. We're going to smash you in the mouth and see what happens. Mm. And they went across the board and laid down and allowed the New England Patriots to bludgeon them to death when everybody in the stadium and the millions of people watching at home cheering against the Patriots had to watch it, <laughs> had to deal with it, and everybody knew what was going to happen. You couldn't stop it. It was a statement win, not for the Patriots, 
for the legacy that is Bill Belichick. It, this is the equivalent of Tom Brady going somewhere else and winning a huge game on prime time, throwing for like 600 yards. For Bill Belichick, it's like, man, as as the season continues to inch forward, you start to really like, hmm, was it Belichick the whole time? And like to do it that way in that fashion, the way no other coach has done it, that's absolutely a, that's a game he's going to have on his mantle. When he's on the uh, NFL 200 special on NFL Network after 200 years and he's still alive and he's sitting down at the table, he's going to talk about that game being <laughs> one of his favorite, if not his most favorite oh. game of his career. Yeah, absolutely. Did you hear a couple of the quotes he had after the game? Give me give me a couple. Paraphrase, because there's no way you, you actually remember. I'll never nail it. <laughs> uh, but one of the reporters asked him about the game plan and the crazy conditions and if they're able to take anything from watching this film for the next time they play the Bills, because they play the Bills again in a couple weeks. And he goes, oh, absolutely. We have our entire game plan with our passing attack intact because we didn't have to use any of it tonight. So we're just going <laughs> to cut and paste, and we're going to do exactly what we were going to do tonight. In a couple weeks, because they haven't seen any of it. What a great dig at Sean McDermott and that defense and that inability to stop his run game. And then this morning, he did another interview, and they were asking him, Hey, Bill, how are you? You know, and usually you get the grumble, grumble, misery, misery, miseries, misery. Who wants to be my company in my misery, misery? This morning, he goes, oh, I'm doing all right. I'm just a little bit run down, wink, wink. You know? Oh, no. And like, just, just rubbing salt in the wounds and... Uh, I think that's what hurt me the most, although I do appreciate the humor that Bill Belichick uh, is using to rub the salt in the wounds of the Buffalo Bills. They should, they, you know what, they they should be embarrassed. They should be embarrassed because they just got bullied in front of everyone, and nobody likes to get bullied in front of everyone. It, it did spark something else in me, though, um, that I'm like, as I'm watching the weather conditions and I'm watching the game, and as I woke up from my nap, um, that I took in the middle of it from having to watch <laughs> run right, run left a thousand times. I'm like, who the hell wants to watch this? I, I don't get the, man, this is football weather crowd. And, and I know you're a part of that crowd, Joe. And I, I mm. understand that even saying those words out of my mouth. Like, I don't want to see, I, dome up every single football field and stadium. Put a roof on it. Make it retractable for when it is sunny. You get a little bit of, of a breeze. But no, man, we're, I, I don't care to see this kind of football in Buffalo. i am be honest with you. I don't get how it's football weather. There's not a bunch of football players that are coming out of Buffalo going to the NFL because probably it's six degrees 98% of the year. That's just my take, Joe. Give me what you think. So there's a reason the old saying is, Variety is the spice of life because if you're getting the same thing all the time, eventually you're going to get bored of it, right? And that's why football is the greatest, most popular sport in America. It's not basketball where the environment is exactly the same. Every single time you tune in to watch a basketball game, it's 68 degrees and they're playing inside on a wooden court that's exactly the same size. The conditions are exactly the same, which, you know, some purists like that. Some people that are fans of the team that is favored to win like that because they're going to tune in and they kind of know what's going to happen. The team that's probably going to lose is going to tune in and they probably know they're going to lose. But when you add the elements into the equation, it's so much more fun because the predictability of what's going to happen goes out the window. And you get these games where it looked like Buffalo in normal conditions, was probably going to win that game because they had a better passing attack. Um, presumably, they were better situationally. They're more experienced at their skill positions. But 
you get a game like this where it's so windy that it's really difficult to throw, and you get a team like the Buffalo Bills who are unable to stop the run and play a physical brand of football, and they lose the game. And I think that's what's beautiful about playing in the elements. It makes it fun. It makes it exciting because you don't know what's going to happen. It gives you the variety in your life that you need, Hawk. Then why does soccer, why is that the biggest sport in the world? Because there's no variety there. They play outside, though. They play in the weather. They play in some rain. They play in heat. Of course. But they don't play They don't play in the snow. I mean, I don't know. I don't watch soccer. I'm, I'm totally ill-equipped for this take <laughs> right now because I don't watch soccer. Uh, and I think the fact that it's the most popular sport is more a function of the fact that it's the, the um, lowest barrier to entry. If you got a ball, you got a soccer team. Like, it's, it's so easy to play <laughs> soccer. Um, you don't need football pads. You don't need helmets. And so the, the rest of the country can easily play it. And, and I think because you participate, you're more likely to be a fan in a sport like that. So Okay, I, I get it. And I understand even your take. I, I understand why you would enjoy just run action for 85% of the entire game. I get that. I, I didn't love it. I, I told you I was disappointed. I was sad this morning because of the outcome. And it was not super exciting from a on-the-field like performance standpoint, but it was yeah. it was drama because I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know if Leslie Frazier was going to continue to play nickel defense against goal line offense that Bill Belichick kept running out there. I was wondering if I was the only person in the world that realized that in the first three quarters of the game, Mac Jones had thrown the ball one time. And I wanted somebody to <laughs> telegram the Bills sideline and let them know, hey, I'm not sure if you know, but uh, the hey, Patriots are going to try to run the ball hey, here. I think they're going to run it. So you may want to put hey, in let's... an extra D lineman. <laughs> you may want to sub out one of those safeties, one of those cornerbacks. Hey, I think they're going to keep running it. We should we should probably just put a really heavy run defense out there. A big linebacker <laughs> in there? Because Bill has said, hey, my genius is that – I know what we're good at, and I know what we can do and we can't do, and I have a great self-awareness, and the Bills clearly have no self-awareness because they think that these small dudes are going to all of a sudden wake up in the fourth quarter and be able to stop the run and the physical rushing attack from the Patriots. Um, and for some reason, that didn't happen. And so Belichick just kept smashing him in the mouth with a huge smile on his face, and uh, you know, it made me sad a little bit. You have a you have a, like an undercover feud with Bill Belichick that he has no idea about and doesn't <laughs> would never care about. <laughs> he, and he doesn't care either. And it's just because they kicked our ass so many times and like left us in the same situation that Sean McDermott is in this morning, where we thought we had him beat. We were up two scores at one point with like three minutes left in the game in like 2014 or something like that, and. Brady goes all the way down the field, scores a touchdown, gets a two-point conversion. Then they got an onside kick, went down, scored again, and won the game. When we had legitimately, we punched it in, we thought the game was over. Like, oh, get the ball back. We're going to kneel on it. We win the game. And they went down and scored two touchdowns and broke my heart. <laughs> well, that, that actually brought up something else as I tweeted this out last night. As I'm watching this game and I see Jamie Collins playing linebacker for the Patriots and I see Jor Jordan Poyer wearing the, the captain patch and, you know, five interceptions, putting together a Pro Bowl season. And I thought back, and I'm like, let me go check the 2016 Browns roster that me and you were on together that went 1-15 and and routinely mm. got our asses kicked mm -hmm. every time we stepped on a football field, whether it was snowing, sunny, windy, in a dome. It didn't matter. We knew the outcome. Um, I tweeted, watch this Monday Night Football game. made me realize in 2016, our Browns team defense had Jordan Poyer, captain, pro bowler, mm -hmm. Demario Davis, captain, mm -hmm. pro bowl. Joe Hayden, mm -hmm. who has more wins with 
the Steelers than he had with his career with the Browns at this point, which is crazy because I feel like he's been there 22 minutes. <laughs> um, Emmanuel Ogba, I get on these shows every week and people are pumping up Emmanuel Ogba. And I'm like, they're like, yo, man, this guy is so good. He, look look at what he does for the Dolphins defense. I'm like, that's that was one of our rookies. That was our guy. Jamie Collins, Joe Sherbert, Pro Bowler, Christian Kirksey, and Carl Nassib, team captain. So this is our defense. We let up, I think, 28 points a year, 28, 28 points a game that year. And, uh, yeah, we sucked. Yeah, that was uh, largely because our offense sucked so bad that we were three and out, 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 three and out. We were so good at giving the ball back to the other team's offense. There's no way the defense could have been successful. Nah, no chance. The 85 Bears would have given up roughly 30 points per game in that season as well. Oh, man. Not our offense ruining the 85 Bears. But you're talking about Jordan Poirier. I don't know if you heard some of the comments that were made after the game because that was almost as exciting as the game. To your point, you know, without a dome, there wasn't a lot of action going on there. But post game, <laughs> you should have seen the press conference. It was amazing. So Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde were asked post game if they were embarrassed with their inability to stop the run of the Patriots. You know, three throws in the game. At some point, you feel like, hey, we're going to toughen up here a little bit and we're going to not let them run the football and force them to do what they don't want to do, which is throw. And they never did that. And so a reporter asked them, are they embarrassed about their performance on defense and their inability to stop the Patriots uh, and their rushing attack? Mm. And they took umbrage to that a little bit. They were saying things like, we're going to remember that you said that and embarrassed. Did you watch the game? We only gave up 14 points. So I'm, I'm curious what your take is on that uh, after hearing that from Jordan Poyer. Um, yeah, I, I get why they're pissed. I would be pissed too. Not at the reporter, just like, I think it's more of a, you know, like, yo, this isn't the time. And I think the wording of it also stung a little bit. Like there's a better, there is a better way to ask that question, right? Because the thing about it, a lot of times the reporters are fans as well. So they're equally as pissed off. So they're going to put a little extra sauce on the question. Like, hey, were you embarrassed by getting beat up every day in school as a kid, (laughs) Hawk? Were you embarrassed for being a short nerd? <laughs> Are you embarrassed by being a short nerd? <laughs> <laughs> when they were stuffing your head in the locker and dunking you in the toilet, was that embarrassing? Were, were you thinking to yourself, when will this stop? Yeah, but that's a great question, though. Is it up to the reporters? Is it their duty, part of their job, to like soft shoe the question so they don't hurt your feelings as a millionaire professional athlete? I don't think it's their job to not hurt someone's feelings. I do think, like... Like everything, every every action has a reaction and a consequence attached to it. So, will you know if they turn this around and they turn into the eighty-five Bears on defense? Do you think they're going to be giving that guy a lot of interviews? <laughs> if he's okay with that, cool. There's some people we notice. I mean, this is pulling the curtain back. There's some people we don't give a damn about if we talk about right. Like we played certain guys or certain guys we don't have relationships with. We don't want. We don't care to have relationships with. That, you know, we'll 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 talk about like we don't care. And then there's other ones that you're like, well, I don't know. That that might not be the way I want to word this when I'm talking about some blank blank that I p- played with, that you know, I run into, that I have a path with. And I think this is a good example of that. That eventually he might not care if Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer ever do an interview with him or give him a quote or help him reach a deadline or whatever the situation is, but it is something to think about. 
Yeah, I think it's challenging as a beat reporter because I think a lot of fans don't realize that these guys that cover the team, they're in the locker room with you every single day. You every see them day. every single day. And so for many of these guys that you are maybe having an interview with or speaking with or just bumping into on a daily basis, you do develop those relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult for them, I think, sometimes to keep that relationship purely professional right. because they do need to be able to ask the hard question and write the difficult article or column about you, especially when you go one in 15, Hawk, yeah. like you did with the Browns. You, you, were, you were so bad on that team. It was horrible. <laughs> um, you were the worst. I was very bad. I was. It, it's you know it's it's hard right and i think that's the line that they have to walk and i give them credit for walking it most of the time but sometimes you are hit with these situations where your team does disappoint they are embarrassed they should be embarrassed they <laughs> they lost a game where the other team threw the ball three times and they were not able to stop the run at all the entire night that's that's a humiliating feeling for a defense especially because most defenses pride themselves on physicality and they didn't have it yep. they weren't self-aware enough to realize that they couldn't stop the run with the group of personnel that they had out there. And I think the reason that Poyer and Hyde responded the way they did is because they were hit with reality in that situation that it's not their division because they are not tough enough, mm. they are not physical enough to win the AFC East. I agree. Does, does this basically all but seal Bill Belichick as the coach of the year? I think it depends on how they finish, but clearly they're on such a run right now and they're playing so well. You can't imagine them finishing anything, but you know, uh, probably first place in the AFC East. They're going to at least go 500 in their remaining games. And so I think in that case, yes, he absolutely should be the coach of the year. What he's doing with Mac Jones, how he's covering up some of his inefficiencies and abilities um, and heightening the things that he does well as a rookie quarterback, what he did in the offseason, bringing in those free agents and guys to fill the holes that he had on his defense and in his offense. Absolutely. This is one of the best coaching jobs of his career. And I think last night you saw exactly why Bill Belichick is so hated by so many other coaches in the NFL, but loved and respected by so many people that just are NFL fans is because he's willing to do whatever it takes to win and so many other coaches have mm -hmm. ego that gets in the way of them being able to do whatever it takes to win. Namely, when I watched that game last night, I said the Bills defense run by Le Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott and the ego that they have with those players and the defense that they run is not allowing them to do whatever it takes to stop the run. They just keep doing the same insane thing over and over again, thinking that all of a sudden the light switch is going to go on and their defense is going to somehow stop the run and become physical. It never happened. And that shows the difference between why Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time yeah. and why there's everybody else. What do you think Tom Brady, and this is the last question because we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum, I guess, but mm -hmm. what do you think Tom Brady woke up this morning thinking? How do you think he feels watching that game? Well, first of all, his bedtime guaranteed is about 6.30 because no I guarantee his recovery every night is like 10 plus hours of sleep <laughs> because he has made it known and it's common knowledge that the most important thing in his life is his body and his recovery. Mm. He puts everything else, family, friends, hobbies, relationships to the side. Secondary. Secondary. 
taking care of myself as primary. So when he woke up and he realized that the Patriots won and Bill Belichick was able to be smug post game. And then when he woke up in the morning about how he won that game and how he solidified coach of the year honors, I guarantee Brady was so pissed because yeah. he was winning that Brady versus Belichick argument after last season. I mean, it was a clear like nail in the coffin moment for, for Belichick and how much influence he had over the Brady and Belichick dynasty. But the tables have switched a little bit. Uh. But what I do give a lot of respect to Brady for is the fact that he would never, ever, ever let anybody know how much he loved seeing Belichick and the Patriots struggle once he left. I know. He would never let anybody know about that because he has the ultimate unlimited amount of discipline, both physically and mentally, that it takes, and that's part of the reason he was so great, to not allow any of that off-the-field drama, any of that like in-his-head rivalry between him and Bill like spill into any other aspects of his game or his life because he knows that it could come back and haunt him at some point. He's definitely pissed. His camp is his his campaign for it was me and not Belichick. It's it took a significant hit last night and with Man in the Arena, which is his like kind of oh. last dance esque doc mm-hmm. on right now on ESPN Plus. Yeah. Like he's he's like oh man, he's gonna have to come out this week. We might we might see Tom Brady's best game this this next game against the bills they play the bills next i think yeah he's definitely gonna be motivated have you watched any of that man in the arena i haven't I, it's behind a paywall but i actually think i do have yeah a subscription i still haven't watched it yeah i haven't even seen a tweet about it have you watched it i started so real quick background my son is an enormous football fan as of like six months ago when he started playing flag uh-huh. football like uh-huh. we call him mr football because literally every day he's wearing a jersey and it's usually a browns jersey um or a badgers jersey welcome tell him welcome yeah w- welcome to misery buddy welcome to the football dad I, <laughs> welcome to hell i i knew you were waiting yeah. for it you're like it's only a matter yes. of time for he where he comes to the over to the football side and it, it's cool he also loves russell wilson and i'm not sure if that's because of the way he plays or because he was a badger but he loves tom brady because he's a winner mm-hmm. um and it's funny because he asked on Sunday, hey, dad, can we watch Man in the Arena? So I sat down and started watching him. There's some uh, some foul language in there that, you know, as a dad, I was like, okay, it's cool. Just don't tell your mom they're saying some of these words. Okay, buddy. How old is your son? He's five. So, I mean, okay, he's yeah. not old enough to, like, comprehend, oh, that's right. a really bad word yet. Um, but yeah. I'm kind of worried if I make a big deal about it, then he'll be like, ooh, now I can use those and they're powerful. He's definitely going to repeat those words at the dinner table in front of Annie. Yeah, but if but if I just don't say anything, he's going to repeat them <laughs> like offhandedly. And then mom's going to be like, where did you hear that? Like the man in the arena said it. Who is the man in the arena? Who who showed you man in the arena? It was dad. Uh, but anyways, we, we sat down on the couch and we were watching a little bit of it. And we started watching the first episode and I like started itching. Like I started getting this feeling like, oh my God, I'm so miserable. Because I... I thought it was going to be more about like Brady and like behind the scenes about like what he did to get himself ready. But it's basically just the story of the Patriots dynasty and how they kicked everybody's ass for 20 years and how I was part of that uh, (laughs) on the other side of the ass whipping. And I was like, this sucks. So I got up about 20 minutes and I walked away and started doing something else. You can watch this if you want, but I literally can't watch this. It's hurting me so bad. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine that's how a lot of the old uh, Pistons players felt watching the last dance. Um, yeah, they didn't want to watch that either. Yeah, they weren't big Last Dance fans. That's cool that you let your son cuss. Um, <laughs> a, 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 before we move on, and I was going to move on, but I feel like we got a lot of interesting topics. We got a lot of meat on this bone. As a receiver in that game, I would have been so pissed off, man, in that Bills-Patriots game. Like, you travel to Buffalo. 
The weather is terrible. You're spending all your time getting your mind right, your gloves right. You got your your hand warmers. You're like coming up with your plan to stay loose, stay warm, make some plays. You don't get a single target. I think they threw the receiver one time of the three passes. I think one was to a tight end, <laughs> one was to a running back, one was to a receiver. I think one of them was just like a throwaway too. What a waste of time. What a waste of of minutes, mm. time. Like I wish you they would I wish the, for the receivers they could have stayed home and they could have just mailed them their check mm. and be like, "Hey, we won't be needing you this game. Call off. Just make it a 7 on 7." Yeah, just, or make it a 9 on 7 inside drill. 9 on 7, exactly. Inside drill. It's ridiculous, man. That was so So what's worse because I actually, in 2009, went to Buffalo, similar circumstances, you know, 50-mile-an-hour winds, cold, um, and we won that game. Six to three, no touchdowns were scored. Um, we, we kicked two field goals. It was a brutal game, and Derek Anderson was our quarterback. He went two of 17 passing. Um, I forget, Trent Edwards was the other quarterback, but he didn't complete all that many passes either. But what's worse for a receiver, a game where you don't even try to throw it and you only attempt three passes like the Patriots, or a game like we had when we went to Buffalo and won where we attempted 17 passes, but it was so windy, the ball was literally just going everywhere and you had no chance to catch the football. I I would say I would rather have the two for 17 windy game, but we at least gave it a shot. Because I think for me, at least, I, I I would try to get my mind so right around like, yo, like I got to go out here. I got to make my plays all week. You're doing, there's so much time put into for that moment that me, I hate wasting time. It's like my number one pet peeve. I hate to put mm-hmm. time into something that doesn't turn out to be fruitful. And that was the definition mm-hmm. of that for the receivers. They put in all that time this week, playbook study, and you could imagine that the Patriots, it's like times 10 where anybody else is or any, any other place. So they put all that time in practice, meetings, playbook, you know, worried about this, stressing, eating right, doing all these things to get themselves fast, lean, ready to catch the ball, ready to score touchdowns, and they get in the game and they're all tackles. If they even got off the sideline, if off the heaters. <laughs> like it's like, come on, man. That's what a waste of a week. Yeah, you know, the funny thing, just to put a bow on that game where the Browns won 6-3, to three, uh, it was an ugly game all around. Derek Anderson was 2 of 17. Trent Edwards was 16 of 31. Derek did throw an <laughs> interception, so he had two receptions and uh, one interception that he was able to throw. The running backs in that game, Jamal Lewis for the Browns, had 117 yards rushing on 31 carries. The running back for the Buffalo Bills, and in this game, he had 17 carries for 69 yards, and Buffalo got rid of him. And that's how he ended up going to Seattle and then having a Hall of Fame career with Russell Wilson and winning the Super Bowl in Seattle. Um, so very interesting to see how you can start a yeah. career, maybe not all that successful, for whatever reason, go somewhere else, and then all of a sudden blossom and have a Hall of Fame career. Great segue, because you playing with Jamal Lewis means you are old as shit, Joe. Old. And this past weekend, you celebrated a birthday in the Big Easy. Older. Who do you think had more fun? Was it you in New Orleans or the Cowboys in New Orleans? Yeah, I'm not sure if I had more fun than Jerry Jones. I'm not sure if you heard him before the game. He did like a radio (laughs) interview where he was like asked about uh, the Cowboys, and he was like... Well, I only see 80% of me right now because there's still 20% of me on Bourbon Street at Galatoire's drinking bourbon. (laughs) And he was all hammered. But uh, the Cowboys, you know, they beat the Saints, but the Saints are so banged up that they should have done it in much better style. And I know you don't get points for style. There's no pictures on the scorecard. But for the Cowboys who want to go on this 
great run and you know think of themselves as Super Bowl champions. Dak Prescott was a little bit off, just defensively, offensively. They just didn't put together a complete game like you'd expect mm. on a Thursday night. When you are healthy, you are returning most of your guys back to full strength, and the Saints are going in the other direction. They're decimated with injuries. Uh, running back Alvin Kamara didn't play. Both tackles didn't play. They were missing guys on defense all across the board. So, uh, And you compare that with me who had one of the best days of my life Friday <laughs> celebrating my birthday with my friends um we started at 10 a.m doing playing bags which what is what is bags I don't know do black people play bags I feel like that's like totally like a what the hell is bags a white person cornhole oh okay like cornhole no well that's like totally like a white person game stand around drink beer and play cornhole then we would never I would never I, I don't know any black people that have got together on a birthday and played cornhole Never see the Hawkins family reunion. Uh-huh. Yeah, never. So if you go to a family reunion, is there games? Like Hawkins family reunion, are you guys playing games or just hanging out? Cards. They, they play cards, play spades. Um, cards. Spades. Maybe some dominoes. Um, dominoes. Yeah, not bags. Yeah. No cornhole. Not cornhole. No testicle toss. When I was a kid, they would have like actual races. Like... Three-legged races? Like like races like you'd line up and like let's see who's the fastest Hawkins. Like like full out sprints, like at every age range. And like if you won it when you were a kid or whatever age range, you were like, you were legit. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You got the belt. Yeah, like yo, you're going to the league, bro. You would never see a bunch of old white people lining up <laughs> and having races or young white people. We gotta see who's the fastest. At a family yep. reunion. That is yep. a great yep. cultural difference there between the Hawkins. Was that your best birthday celebration? I think it was. Like I think back to yeah. people think about their 21st, but my 21st birthday was miserable because my friends were just trying to torture me. <laughs> like, here, have another shot. Here, have another drink. Like, we're just going to try to see if we could kill you. And it almost happened. So that was miserable. <laughs> and then kind of after 21, most of your birthdays are sort of forgettable. But this one was so exciting because my friends actually came down to New Orleans. They went to the football game. Yeah. They had a great time at the game. We got up and then we just got to spend a whole day together. It was beautiful weather, which is something that a guy from LA would never even consider. But yeah. when you're in Wisconsin and it's 11 degrees and you get to go down to New Orleans <laughs> and see sunshine and 70 degrees and drink outside and play cornhole with uh, other white people, like that's a, that's a great <laughs> afternoon. It's a great time. And we ended up going to this really weird dinner place that was so cool. It's called Jockey Mo's. Um, and it was actually, I don't know if you know who Anthony Bourdain is, but he's really super famous food writer. Yeah, I know, I know who Anthony Bourdain is, Joe. No, I don't know. Just in case there was like a cultural difference there. I didn't <laughs> see a lot of black people on uh, Anthony Bourdain's show, although he did have Obama on. There you go. Um, when he was doing uh, No Reservations, I think it was. But uh, but anyways, we got to go to this like classic Creole Cajun place, Jockey Mo's. And the very first thing we ate was alligator and sausage cheesecake which was amazing we had like goat neck and oh, just gosh. all these like interesting things that you would never be able to get in wisconsin but they were like super goat delicious neck. and we washed them down <laughs> with plenty of drinks and just had an incredibly fun freeing no kids day yeah. which um at this point in life when you got three or you got four like i do like just getting away from the kids and relaxing for a couple hours is just amazing yeah no i mean that that sounds incredible to just play a little cornhole and eat some goat neck man i mean <laughs> wow well i want you to invite me to your birthday <laughs> celebration I, I it's sad we've been doing this for so long together we've been friends forever and i don't even know your birthday offhand but i don't know my kid's <laughs> birthday either so that's more a function of uh, 11 nfl seasons <laughs> yeah it's brain power beating my brain in
But I want to go to your birthday party and do all the things that you would want to do on your birthday. Well, I don't really celebrate my birthday, which has been like a point of contention in my household because like you actively don't celebrate or you just don't celebrate because there's a difference. Like I believe in, I believe in birthdays. It's not, it's not that I don't believe in birthdays. Well, no, I, I, I like the date. I like, I realize you, you, you are turning yeah. another year older. Like you can't deny <laughs> yeah, the fact can't. you were born on this date, but I'm saying, do you actively tell people like, don't buy me anything. Don't do anything. Don't even say it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. You don't let anybody know. Yeah. Or are you just like, just leave it to chance. If, Hey, if somebody wants to celebrate with me, great. If we want to go out, if we want to have a nice dinner, like that would be fun. Yeah. I think, you know, if the day comes, not even kidding, probably 85% of the time. And I would say close to the 98 over the last probably 10 to 15 years, I forget it's my birthday. So it's not like, I'm not a like, Oh, lead up. To, I, yeah. I forget. Actually, this is honest to God truth. I wake up in the morning, I check my phone and I see a shitload of text messages and I get terrified yep. every single birthday. Wow. Hashtag blessed. I have so many friends that remember my birthday. No, it's, it's the opposite. It's like, oh no, something went tragically wrong. Oh no. That's why everyone's hitting me up and I get scared to death. And then for like mm. four seconds, I come to and I'm like, oh, I check. Oh, thank God. It's my birthday. <laughs> oh, thank God. It's only my birthday. Every time. But I come from a family of a lot of kids. Like, so. Yeah. So it's always somebody's birthday. We have a lot of kids in a in a, in a in a house. So it's like you can't make a big deal about birthdays. Otherwise, yeah, right. You can't celebrate that. We'll be poor. We like we didn't have any money. We didn't have resources. So it was just like, oh, it's a birthday. Let's get some pizza, and that's it. You got to move on. I, I get that. If if I wasn't in New Orleans and already planning on like right having my friends down there and my wife and being able to like enjoy the day. And it just so also happened to be my birthday. Right, right. I wouldn't have even made a big deal about it. Right. Cause I'm kind of with you. Like, I don't want to make it about me. I'm a lineman. Like if it's about <laughs> yeah. me, it's usually because it's holding or a false start or I did something really stupid. Just you messing up Annie's birthday. Like, man, I did it. I did it again. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't love birthdays, but, um, I, this one was fun obviously because of the circumstances and being my first time really on bourbon street yeah. uh, in new Orleans. And it was a amazing the incredible hosts but are you going to do anything for your 40th i know it's yeah it's coming up here pretty soon like i feel maybe. like maybe that's a big moment that maybe keisha would want to like celebrate andrew hawkins day again two times maybe i don't know man um i, I mean my birthday I, my birthday is march 10th so on my 35th birthday was march 11th it was march 10th it was the it was a friday we were <laughs> going to celebrate something the next day so march 11th 2020 i turned 35 um <laughs> And the pandemic started that day. It yeah, was great. That was the day Rudy Gobert was like everything shut down and yeah. Basically, me turning thirty five ruined ruined the world. So I think it's best for everybody if I don't try to celebrate my birthday. I'm doing this for the good of mankind. So. Uh, he's doing this for you guys. Uh, it's what a big heart that guy has, Andrew Hawkins. He's uh, single handedly stopping this pandemic by not celebrating his birthday anymore. <laughs> You're wrong. I disagree, Joe. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Ah, shut up. Your takes, they all suck. Not only do they suck, but I hate you personally on a deeper level. It is time for Controversy Corner. And I would call it a new game, but I despise games. It's why I quit the NFL. It's a debate to the death because there is no way we will agree 
on anything. Today's controversy corner topic, QB controversies. That's double the controversy. I will throw a quarterback name out there and you have to take a side. You love this guy, you hate him, you think he should be benched, you think he should be punched in the stomach, it doesn't matter, you throw it out there and we debate, debate staff. All right, first up, Joe, Gardner Minshew mania, the mustache. He steps in for Jalen Hurts. He goes 20 of 25 for 242 yards and two touchdowns. And then broed out with his dad, which was a visual of exactly what this voice sounds like right now. Does he deserve to start over top of Jalen Hurts? Absolutely not. You can't give up on the Jalen Hurts experiment. You've already gotten rid of Carson Wentz, so you could put Jalen in this exact situation to give him a chance to succeed. And right when he starts playing well, you're going to tell me that you should put Gardner Minshew, the mustache, and the jorts in for him just because he played one good game against a crappy opponent? That's just the type of dumb shit that Andrew Hawkins would say. Yeah. Uh, all right, this is stupid. We agree on this topic. Moving on. I don't want to give it any more of our energy. Supposed <laughs> to disagree here. Not say incredible takes. I hate when you're right. All right, Hawk. I know you're going to be jacked up about this one. Kirk Cousins, should he get another penny from the Minnesota Vikings? 25 touchdowns to three interceptions so far this season. But he did shit the bed, and they lost to the freaking winless Lions last weekend. Is he a franchise quarterback worthy of another max contract? Should he get another penny? He should get billions of pennies, equaling millions of dollars in guaranteed money. Kirk Cousins, I don't care if you like him, Joe. I don't care if you like that. He has 25 touchdown passes to three interceptions. I don't care what you think about him. If you think he is a always middle-of-the-road guy, if you play well, when it's contract time, you should get your money, all right? Pay the man. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks out there, Vikings. I don't know if you've been watching, but you better give Kirk Cousins his money. And Joe, you better not agree. Oh, another completely whack take by Andrew Hawkins, who's always been more concerned with stats than actually wins and losses. That's why you fit in so well with the Cleveland Browns when you were 1-15 and and then 0-16, even though you weren't on that team and you already were with the Patriots winning Super Bowls. But typically you would say, oh, I don't care. He saved the coach's jobs because he's always middle of the road. And you know what? When you're middle of the road, you don't get people fired and they're never going to win anything. But that's great because he throws all these touchdowns and he gets the ball to the receivers classic take by you classic reason why the vikings need to move on from this bum and get a different quarterback in there and that's why sean Mannion is the perfect guy to lead this team to future success because he's their backup right now and he's their only other option who the hell is sean Mannion? he's their only other option (laughs) next up we got Taysom hill he lost but if you read the stats he looked okay although he threw four interceptions Just not the passing stats. If you read the rushing stats, we're good. If you read the rushing stats, you were super impressed with him as a running back. (laughs) He's on a four-year, $40 million contract for a franchise that just had to say goodbye to one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. My question, Joe, is Taysom Hill worth the money? Absolutely, because... 
Who else are they going to pay? He is like their only emergency option because, like he said, what does he do well? He runs the football and he gives them a chance to win. It was a one-score game at the end of the third quarter against the Cowboys who are getting healthy. The New Orleans Saints, it's like a mash unit across that entire team. Taysom Hill, yeah, he threw four interceptions, but he was throwing to a little five, six receivers. That's even shorter than you, Hawk. Deontay <laughs> Harris was his leading receiver in this game. He's got nothing. All they can do is try to run the football and play defense. That's exactly who Taysom Hill is. So it was money well spent. What a dumb take. Man, I didn't know you should get paid millions of dollars for being the best at being just okay at a lot of things. <laughs> I like Taysom Hill as a guy. He's a great dude. He is not a starting quarterback. He is also not a starting running back. Mm. He is also not a starting tight end. Mm. He is also not a starting wide receiver. Mm. So why would he get paid like any of those things? There is one team that he should be paid that amount of money for, to for his kind of game, and that is the New England Patriots, when the degrees are less than 10% or 10 degrees and there's 30 mile per hour winds mm. and you're going to throw the ball three times. That is mm. the perfect team mm. for a Taysom Hill. Taysom, if you're listening, I actually think you're pretty good, but we had to do this for the take. Uh, but yeah, sorry about that. So no, Joe, you're an idiot. He's not worth the money. Well, maybe they should send him to the Greenland Grenadiers to go play in the CFL against all your <laughs> former Greenland teammates Grenadiers. up there. All right, another guy. Tua Tungo Vailoa, the great Alabama quarterback. Is he a franchise quarterback? Hawk, the Dolphins, they won three games in a row with Tua back behind center, and people seem to be forgetting about him, right? They all want to talk about Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Mac Jones. What about Tua? What about Tua? Are you serious? What about Tua? What about over 80% completion rate in the month of November? The guy has been surgical. He's playing the exact same kind of game that everyone is praising Mac Jones for, his backup, okay? Mac Jones threw three passes the other night, and people are going to say he's the next Tom Brady. Tua Tungavailoa is doing just that and then some, and he has the Dolphins on a crazy win streak that will probably continue for the next few weeks. He might get into the playoffs. Pay that man. You tried to trade him away for Deshaun Watson, and all he's done is responded and gotten better and put W's on the board. He's your franchise guy. Hey. Whack, 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 whack him and stack him. More whack-ass takes from Andrew Hawkins. Hey, when Tua starts completing passes further than Austin can throw the football, then I'm going to start <laughs> crowning him as a franchise quarterback. But until they win a game, and it's because Tua, not in spite of Tua, and he completes a pass that looks more like a professional throw and less like what I watched Jack do in the backyard, then I might start talking a little bit about Tua, but until then, no dice. And by the way, when's the last time we've seen Tua healthy enough to play a whole season? Last time I checked, it's good to have your quarterback on the field for a full season and not have him hurt every other week. Mm, that's rude. All right, next up, we got Lamar Jackson. Struggling recently, he was sacked seven times in the Ravens' loss against the Steelers, making him the most sacked quarterback in the league so far, 37 times. He threw four interceptions in the week prior against the Browns. Are these legitimate concerns, or should Lamar Jackson sign the biggest deal that the NFL has ever seen and walk away as the highest paid player to ever touch the laced pigskin? 
No, no, no. Well, you know, I love Lamar Jackson, but my biggest concern about him is when you can't throw the football as consistently down the field as a guy named Patrick Mahomes, you shouldn't be paid like Patrick Mahomes. Not because he's not as dynamic and as much of a game changer and a game breaker as Patrick Mahomes, but when you're running the football and the ball's in your hands when you're getting tackled at the end of the play as often as Lamar Jackson is, you're not able to survive enough seasons to justify being the highest paid player in NFL history. So if you could stay healthy, if you could guarantee me 15 years of health out of Lamar Jackson, give him all that crypto coins. But if he can't, which he probably won't be able to, you got to hold back a little bit of that piggy bank. Oh my gosh, Joe. You've been dumb a lot of times. Mm. I don't know if I've ever seen you more dumb than you are right now. Hurtful. Lamar Jackson, he, he, he's like a, a windy Buffalo Patriots game because I don't see a ceiling. <laughs> no that guy is going to keep going. When he came into the league, no dome. they were trying to convert him to a running back and wide receiver. There are certain <laughs> podcast hosts who were not believers in Lamar Jackson early on. And that came around because if you watch him, he is the most dynamic player we've ever seen. There's nothing he can't do, learn, pick up, get better at. And he's only 24 years old. You don't just pay him. You go find as many Brinks trucks as possible, and you pay that man in cash the most money that any football player has ever been paid. You said he doesn't throw the ball down the field as consistently as Patrick Mm -hmm. Mahomes. Have you been watching Patrick Mahomes for the last five weeks? Mm. Don't look very consistent to me. All right. Lamar Jackson, he's a player like we've never seen. So you pay him like a player we've never paid. (laughs) I don't know if that quite makes sense, but. (laughs) (sighs) That was fun. All right, Joe, give me your final thoughts. Yeah, man, I had to actually fix my garage door this past weekend because I uh, backed into it. Uh, But that's because it was supposed to go all the way up and it stopped like 90% of the way and I didn't see it backed right into it. But anyways, it reminded me of a great joke. Uh, My friend, he was showing me to his tool shed and he pointed to his ladder. He said, that's my stepladder. And then I said, that's interesting. And he goes, yeah, never knew my real ladder. All right, Joe, I think that does it for this episode. And don't forget to add the Tom and Hawk football show flash briefing in your Alexa app. And then tell Alexa, play my flash briefing to hear the Monday minicast through your Echo device. Check you guys next week. Take us out. Joe Hawk yourself.